0: back we are back welcome everyone to match point number nine a tennis bets podcast i wanted to co host here david ej Berger. you can find our show handle at mp9 tennis on x and all the socials you can find our show on spotify apple podcasts pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts these days please do subscribe if you're a first-time listener chance starts how you found us if you're a returning listener a returning champion welcome back i'm based in california and i'm tossing it to my man in canada Mr. John Reed, you can find him at Jared Tweets Tennis. He does betting content for his own brand, Tidbits Tennis. He writes for the Action Network betting expert. He does post-match analysis for the Tennis Form ticker. John, Merry Christmas and welcome in and happy Boxing Day. Belated. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's right. It's a, a double holiday here, both Christmas Day and the day after. We do, It's the British tradition, right? The Boxing Day. That's where our sales are. You guys have Black Friday. We do big Boxing Day sales or Boxing Week now, uh, which is always fun. So, uh, you know, good Christmas, can't complain, ready to jump back. And, you know, Christmas means where tennis season is next. You have your Christmas dinner, you have your Boxing Day, you do your online sales and shopping, and then boom, we're back with the United Cup. So it's it's a perfect little segue. I get one day in between the two to go from holiday to work, kind of tennis mindset, and and uh, here we are, ready to go.
0: Absolutely, we are mere hours now from the second annual united cup an event that actually carries some weight this is a 10 million dollar prize pool john up to 500 ranking points in this event so lest we think this is some exo that everyone's been playing up to this event this is uh, the real deal so we should see some competitive action and today we're going to talk about the lines we have so far a little bit of outright action as well as we're usually an atp podcast but united cup is uh mixed doubles as well and includes wta play so we'll be talking a little bit about that when we get to the overall country outright but we'll be focusing mainly on the atp singles matches after that Uh, but a quick refresher if you're not familiar with the united cup 18 countries are going to compete for this drawn into six groups of three teams and competing in a round-robin format it's going to take place in australia and perth's rac arena and sydney's ken rosewall arena I'm meeting nine countries overall in each city match play begins on december 29th but the 28th for a lot of us uh here in america it'll be on the 28th at 6 p.m my time 9 p.m eastern where john resides the finals will be in Sydney and let's talk about the court conditions here John both of these Arenas have roofs RAC is retractable Australia leads me to believe this is going to be quick conditions here John what do you think
1: yeah I mean Sydney's always quick I think the whole Australian summer is always quick right I don't think we we tend to find medium slow courts in Australia anywhere whether it be uh Brisbane Adelaide Melbourne we Australian open obviously Mel- is Melbourne you know Sydney or Perth. Uh, this is a way to include Perth in the in the kind of scheduling because Brisbane, Sydney, Adelaide, and Melbourne, all kind of on that eastern coast of Australia, whereas Perth is way out in Western Australia, a different state um, entirely. And, you know, it's kind of funny because same concept here, they're multiple hours behind Sydney and Melbourne. So it's kind of like you and I, someone in Sydney and Perth hosting a podcast, they're, they're they're in the same time difference as us. We're, they're trying to coordinate the best time for, for people in different uh, time zones as well. So keep that in mind as well. That's why it starts at 9 p.m. my time. But after that, once Sydney Sydney's play gets started, we're going to be starting at like 6.30, 7 o'clock Eastern. Like before you're out of work on the West Coast or anyone that, you know, does the traditional 9 to 5 uh, in an office, like before you leave your office, there will be tennis on and it's not exo tennis as you mentioned, so we're we're into a fun part of the calendar, late afternoon slash uh, evenings now for us to uh to get to kick things off. I'm excited, but yeah, cool conditions. I'm gonna I'm gonna say on the quicker
0: side. Come February is like I'm ready for tennis to leave Australia. <laughs> I'm tired of staying up till two a.m. <laughs> but right now, I'm excited for it. So, well, let's dip into the outright talk here, John, and that's for just one of these countries to take this thing down now. Like I said, it's a, a mixed event. So we have men's, women's, and doubles action that's going to all factor into who takes the United Cup trophy. Poland, which is led by Iga and Hubie, Herkash, is the shortest shot on the board. They're plus 400. USA, which is led by Fritz, Taylor Fritz, and Jessica Pagula, they're second at plus 450. Greece, Stefano Sitsipas. Maria Soccery plus plus six fifty France. I gotta see who's on the who's on the French team. France is led by Manorino and Caro Garcia, and then that France team is pretty lackluster. Escoffier, yeah, uh, R- Roger Vasselin, Roger. V- well, v- he's
1: very he, he's a very very good doubles player. He's a doubles specialist.
0: For, Has for, for uh, years, the, I believe the third name on this list will be the, the doubles guy. But the point I want to make. Actually based off this is it seems like these teams are really tent-poled on the single side and tent pulled on the double side where they have a really one really good singles player for both the men's and women's and one really good doubles player and then it's a, it's a grab bag. I mean, check out the USA. It's the men's side is Fritz, good singles player, Rom, great doubles player, Kudla. Kudla. <laughs> <laughs> And no offense, order, to De- I
1: suppose. <laughs> no offense to
0: Dennis Kudla, uh, who is, you know, uh, has done very well in this tour. But it's not Tiafo who was here last year, and so I feel like there's some opportunity here for some longer shots on on the board because none of these teams are are just overly loaded. I mean, you could say the well, Hubie Hercash ega side is because Hubie obviously is a re- should play well in these conditions, and is Iga.
1: The thing to remember here is that they're they're lining this based on the top player, right? You're not going to really get to your second singles player unless there's a dead rubber involved within your group. Like if you win pretty much, you're just dominating and then you throw your your secondary player out there because you're just playing, I believe, a men's match, women's match, mixed doubles match in every tie. So you're really just you're pricing, you know, Iga and Hubie against Pagula and Fritz, and then you're working your way down the list. I don't think Kudla comes into the market too much other than, of course, some random freak injury to Taylor Fritz in the first week of the season. So that's why I think you're seeing the price points here, even with the the weak secondary players. And that's why you also don't get, unless a player is top for their country, oftentimes the second best player isn't going to come to the United Cup because they're never going to play. They're never going to get a chance to earn the rankings points. They'd rather go to Brisbane or Hong Kong, right, to try and actually get some some prize points uh, out of the first week of the season. So I think that's something to keep in mind here, too. Uh, and that's why the states and Poland are the two definitive favorites, with Greece as like a, a pretty solid third option. I don't know why France is fourth there. I'm not huge on the Garcia Manorino tandem personally, but they are quicker, quicker hard courts. Manorino is coming off the best season of his career, despite being like 33 or 34, maybe 35 years old. Uh, so I can understand it, but um, I do think, as you said, though. I still think the value is down the board in terms of the outrights. And I'll just go ahead and say the only one I've I've even considered and only put like a few bucks on, not even close to even a half unit, honestly, is China. You can get them at 45 to one at Pinnacle Sportsbook. That's a little heavy for, you know, to co- considering they have one of the most talented, very, very volatile, but one of the most talented women uh, you're going to find, young Tall, huge serve, moves half decently for her height. Not half, doesn't move well overall, but for her height, moves half decently. Huge serve, forehand, backhand power, uh, really came on at the end of the season uh, in Zheng when, and then Zhang Zhizhen on a quick fat on a quick hard court. We know can beat anybody on any given day. So for them to be forty-five to one, their doubles pairing sucks, and that's the the only concern is if they go one-one, hard to see them winning. But forty-five to one, I mean. <laughs> That seems a little off. You know what I mean? Compared to, say, a Spain where you've got, you know, the hard court depth isn't there. Or or Italy, same concept. Uh, or even the Netherlands where Aronska Roos, I believe, is your number one singles player. She is a play quarter through and through. Coming off, I think the last time I saw her hard court, she lost to Elsa Giacomo as a big favorite. Um, although the, during those 125K series. So the top end, like the, the ceiling for China is a lot higher to me than... Brazil or the Netherlands or Italy, who are all priced as as more likely to win it. So for me, the only one I've considered here and had a few bucks on uh, is China at forty five to one with
0: Pinnacle. China in the group E with the Czech Republic and Serbia. Novak Djokovic is playing with Team Serbia, so that'll be a, a tough, tough road to hoe uh, for that one. But not an insurmountable group, uh, as neither Czech Republic nor Serbia that great in the mixed doubles category or the doubles. So certainly some ways to make up some points there. I'm kind of looking at your home country, John. Canada. Canada and group B, they are 14 to 1 to win. They got FAA, they got Layla, who's a pretty good doubles player and a good singles player. Yep. A- yep. And soccery and boss very fadeable People people you would want to fade more than back. And then they got. Chile, which who's on team Chile?
1: Daniela Sagel is a seven-game dog in that first match to Layla. The, basically, Canada, barring an injury and in retirement, has the women's rubber of that tie locked up. Locked up. There's, I mean, there's, there's very few in the ranges of outcomes. I mean, any win at all, three-set, two-set, dominant, close, whatever. Segel's not winning that more than like five, six percent of the time, and the market indicates that too. <laughs> like she's like sixteen to one to win that match. So the that's one thing is the Canadians are pretty much I mean the the Jari Felix batch a little more open obviously a little obviously a lot closer but I do think Canada has that tie or should have that tie uh, in the bag that it comes down to the the tie against the Greeks
0: it almost double the odds of no over double the odds of of the Greeks I think Canada's a, a pretty good sprinkle here as I think they have a good shot to get out of their group and then you're kind of free rolling with that fourteen to one. What about Australia? I mean, the home country top line by Demonor and I'm going to butcher her name. John, can you say her name so I don't embarrass myself? Ila
1: Tomajanovic.
0: Yeah, they're obviously with the USA in their group. But that, that that to me is one of the reasons to fade to USA too because I, I mean, I would think the home, the home country team is, is going to give USA the business. Certainly, Australia known for their doubles as well.
1: So here's the one thing I hate about that group. Isn't Great Britain the other uh, country in there? Yeah, they're playing Australia first up. I do believe that they are going to give Australia a run for their money in both singles matches. Cam Norrie, and at least by my numbers, is far more alive, far more alive uh, than the markets currently indicate. And Ila Tomjanovic did not play almost at all last year. When she did come back, she played much lower level of competition. She's taking on Katie Bolter. Uh, I was surprised to see Bolter, let's put it this way, as a dog, okay, as like a plus 120 underdog. I thought for sure Bolter would be in that even money range, maybe minus 110, likes quick courts, has pop, has power. Tolmanovic, more consistent. But again, we haven't seen her play almost at all in about a year outside of late, late season against weaker fields in November and December. So I'm not sold on Australia for that reason. I We haven't seen enough for Mila. They have a very, very tough group. They have a very, very first tough tie, uh, tough first tie, pardon me. And they're 15 to one. Like, I don't, I don't like the States because they have a tough group as co-favorites or, or favorites. I don't like Australia at 15 to one because again, the tough group and even Great Britain at 20 to one comes back to all, it's like the group of death. If if there is one in the United Cup, it, it's gotta be this one, right?
0: Yeah, especially considering group F is Croatia, Netherlands and Norway. I, I mean, I don't <laughs> think either three of those teams has a chance of winning the United Cup, but what a lucky draw for all three, because I, I feel like all three teams could emerge from that group compared to if one of those teams was subbed out for like if it was USA, Great Britain, Croatia, like no shot Croatia <laughs> of getting through. But yeah. Italy I think is, is somewhat interesting. Group D Italy, France, and Germany. Italy is topped by Senego Coboli, Pellegrino, Koboli, I think, underrated player. But is he gonna play? But is he gonna play? That's a good question. Germany top line by Zverev, Martyr. Yeah, maybe not. That's a pretty good squad. Kerber on the WTA side for Germany. What's Germany's odds? I think
1: their their doubles team is pretty decent too. It's Ziegament and who's the doubles player there on the German team on the men's side?
0: Mm, Germany twelve to one. Not terrible either, man. They're kind of like getting. I mean, they have Zverev, like
1: right. And I'm not huge on Italy. I think they both they have two very strong players, like but they're both top 20 to top 30 talent in Paulini and Sinego when everyone else has at least, or most other teams have at least one or two top 10 talents um, for their men's and women's lines. Italy is like, they've got two very good players. Make no mistake. Neither is going to blow your socks off on a hard court. And that, that real, I think that's going to cause them a lot of problems. Um, They're going to play a lot of one. They're going to play one ones, or they're just going to lose two, nothing in singles because the top end, of the other teams in this, in this group, at least on one of the men's or women's is just better than them. So for me, I I think Italy is a deserved, you know, 35 to one at pinnacle way down the list, the the, outside of Chile, Norway, and China, like they are the team least valued. Right. And, and I still, like I said, I think China's undervalued. So I think they should actually be ahead of Italy just because their top, their top line on the men's and women's side, both have that crazy high ceiling that with a red line um, for a week and a half, can can take the places so
0: all right well three picks for us china 45 to 1 from john and i'm kind of liking his home country canada 14 to 1 and germany now that we've talked about it out at 12 to 1 i think is a pretty good value especially considering france is 7 to 1 and i think the german team is a little bit stronger uh, on paper uh, if you really think about it all right john well let's move into some singles action here it's going to kick off with two countries we haven't talked about yet. Alejandro Davidovich Bukina representing Spain taking on Tiago sebuth Vilch of Brazil. Now, when I talked about this a few days ago with the Game that Match Boys on a pod that I appeared on with them, this had ADF around minus two hundred, and Vilch—I I wanted to say it was like plus one sixty. Things have changed. He is now plus 240 on the money line. You can get plus 250 out there, I believe. On That was bet online, I believe. He's plus 250 on Bovada. Yes, and David Shukim is minus 300, minus 310. The spread is four games, or three and a half. It's expensive, three and a half, at minus 135. Total is around 22 or 21 and a half. So do your line shopping, because this has shifted a lot from open and, and varying numbers are being offered. When I originally talked with those guys about this match, I was that was we just had the money line, and I was definitely not interested in either side. Uh, but these numbers, uh, not not too bad for the Vietch side, at <laughs> plus two fifty to me, John. Uh, certainly wasn't going to play this when he was an under plus two hundred dog. But we're we're kicking up to almost three to one. Color me interested, John. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I am. Sitting on the fence with this one, it is most certainly uh, backing Tia Gore. Nothing here. I'm leaning towards nothing, but I'm with you. I do think that uh, look, Vilch has been terrible in his career on hard courts. The quantitative kind of stuff and the data modelers are going to hate him, and and that's why I think this movement happened because of Pinnacle entering the market. They reshaped everything when they came in, well over uh, three dollars or plus two hundred. Every other book had this a little bit closer. Avada, which also is like basically bet three, six, five has the same kind of odds bookmaker when they released, but bookmaker came out with circles on, as they say, right. They had $330 Canadian limits on all, uh, money lines and hadn't put any spreads out yet. So that means again, what's that? 250 to 275 American dollars, uh, which is the currency they obviously use to, to put their caps on. And then they just convert it (laughs) for people like me in Canada. So really low limit circles were on. They were waiting. And you know what they were waiting for? They were waiting for Pinnacle, right? They're not going to set markets that are just going to be horrifically poor. Let people like me come in, hit it for 300, knock it down 20 cents, hit it for 300 more, knock it down 20 cents. Not like me. I'm not at that stage yet uh, bankroll wise, but other sharps come in and do that before Pinnacle releases and Pinnacle comes out, you know, 40 cents lower. So they went really cautious on this. And then Pinnacle came out was like, yeah. No need to be cautious. Vilch is a huge underdog. I get it. I get the data side of this, but Vilch has, when I watched him late in the season, it's not just the results on paper on Tennis Explorer. When I watched him, that serve-forehand combo is like his returning is going to be tough on the quicker surfaces. I just, I, he doesn't have the timing down yet for the returns of serve. And that concerns me. But when I was watching him against Greekspor and Basel and against O'Connell and Basel, he lost both those matches. But he lost three tie breaks, won a set 6-2 against Greek Sport, and then lost 1-6-3. I mean, he was good on quick courts, indoors. He beat Michael Moe, which I don't think a lot of people saw coming either. He took Fabio Fanini, who, by the way, remember, needed points for, like, he was battling away late in the season, playing through injuries and everything, trying to get into the main draw of the Australian Open. Didn't do it. He didn't register for quality. So he's just saying no to Australia, it appears. But that was two tie breaks at a time of year when Fanini really did need the points. His, his only two bad losses were to Thompson and Safuelin in that fall stretch uh, on hard courts. in the first match on hard courts since the U.S. Open, a little more understandable. And he is a quick court specialist. So it's hard. It's really hard for me to to put together the kind of run on paper and the and, and what I saw with my own eyes against decent hard quarters in Greek Spore and O'Connell and think that he's this massive dog to Davidovich Volkina. Problem is on a hard court, Fokina does have a huge returning edge. I'm actually going to wait because some books do have prices up for his second match against Hubert Hurkacz. That's where I'm a little more interested because his money line doubles to about plus 600. And that means you're getting that, that key half game over the four. And if we look at, I'll get into this uh, later in the episode, but Hubert Hercatch in Australia, a lot of tie breaks, a lot of seven fives, a lot of six fours, Not a ton of, you know, wins by margin. And Sibach Vilch has shown that his serve and forehand are going to be effective enough on quicker courts to kind of take advantage of poor returners. So, I don't think this is the spot to hit it.
0: These guys have met one time before on clay back in 2020. Uh, Vilch did win that in three sets in Rio de Janeiro. David Urshukina hasn't played since Halloween. Interested to see what he'll be like Uh, now. Vilch last played a week later on November 7th. But still, I mean, Fokina, actually, Fokina has played, he only played one, two, three. looks like he only played 5 or 6 matches post-US Open. So, a little mysterious on the Fokina side of what ADF we will get. Assume he will be fresh and ready to roll, but maybe he comes out a little bit clunky. I'm, ag- I'm agreeing with John here. I think it's Viltra pass, and right now I'm passing, but if we get closer to plus 300 by close, Uh, I might sprinkle a half unit on that one and just hoping for an ADF dud because he's certainly a higher class and higher caliber player than at this time. Next up, John, this one's another one that's moved a bit, but not much, but I think got put into place. It's Alex Demonor taking on Cam Nori. Nori is plus 160 on the money line. Demon is a minus 200 favorite. The spread is three. Totals at 22 here. When I spoke with those guys last week, it was around minus 180, 170.
1: Pinnacle. <laughs> so it, it all comes down to pinnacle.
0: I think this got moved into place. I was kind of interested in this when Demon was under $2, but now I do think it's kind of lined appropriately. Given what we've seen from Cam Nori, and it sounds like you're ready to change your tune, or at least thinking maybe he's going to change his play coming into the new year
1: yeah i'm on cam uh i got on plus 180 uh at pinnacle it opened there A bit of liquidity came in enough to uh raise those max limits uh it's down to plus 173 now plus 175 still available at 365 i would go ahead and play that i i'm this year as you know i'm going to be releasing plays on the pod and through articles only there will be no posts on the timeline so i'm going to do the the Unit sizing in the book as well for confirmation. But I've got a unit and a half here on Cam Nori's money line at plus 175 uh, at bet 365. It's good to bet down to plus 135. Um, I think he's well on the wrong side of the 40% in the implied probabilities department here. This is not a 60 62 38 kind of match. It's just not. Demon doesn't possess the power or the weapon's to have that kind of edge on nori i know nori was really bad i actually listened to the episode and kind of agreed with everything you guys said on the anti nori side it's true the consistency kind of abandoned him and if that happens especially with that forehand where it's not like he's missing marginally like he's he's trying to be precise and missing by a little bit he was missing long by like six inches that's a worrisome sign but he's had months off now it's a new season and We, If we remove ourselves, we can't completely remove ourselves from the recency bias because the recent form is more relevant to us than what he did two years ago, right? But if we put ourselves in a position to say we've seen far more good from him in the last two years than bad, he's had a mental – he's had the chance to have a mental reset. Whether he took advantage of it or not, I don't know. No one can except for him. Maybe his team if he's open and honest with them. But this has gotten to be too far. He doesn't mind the United Cup. I think he's won a match or two here or really pushed some some decent players here at the United Cup before. The quick courts probably help him as much as they possibly can. And Demonor, unless he's going to continue to commit a ton of errors, right? He had like that Schwartzman season, just not as bad as Schwartzman last year, but he had the same kind of problems. He was committing too many errors for a guy who can't afford any unforced errors. Unless he, that continues... I don't see how Demonor can be a gigantic favorite, right? There's two perspectives you can have here. One is they're two very similar guys grinding it out and Demon just doesn't commit as many errors right now as Nori does, so he should be a big favorite. Or you can see it as they're two very even players. How can this be such a... There'll be such a gulf between their, their probabilities to win the match. I side with the latter. I like the time off for Nori. It's not a guarantee. It's a bit narrative-y. But... Uh, I have this, like I said, plus 135. There's no doubt to me that he's an underdog. I just don't, I, I think this is a little too far. So uh, once again, Cam Nori line plus 175 for a unit and a half with bet 365.
0: Head to head is two to one with to Demon. Uh, they last played in Toronto on hard, a two set win for Demon, 7564. Nori beat Demon last year here at United Cup. So he has vested him at this event before, Um, and I, John, I'm, I'm kind of thinking I'm in agreement with you because, listen, I don't know that Nori is gonna get like I, I I guess that's not true. I do think the floor on Nori could go further, but uh, I do think at at the current price, uh, I'm a little skeptical to to the games. Or bet Demon here as a, a favorite in the first match of the year off a of holiday. I don't know if anyone follows Demon or on social media, but it doesn't look like he's been grinding in the off season. Looks like he's been enjoying himself. That's a bit of narrative street uh, I'm driving down. But I could see a Cam Nori who looking to turn a new page uh, for 2024, having a little bit more gusto in his performance. ADM maybe having a slower start. I think the price is worth it at this point. So I'm in agreement with John. All right, John, let's keep it rolling here. Casper Rude is taking on Talon Greeksbor. Now, this one you really want to line shop because on Bovada, you can still get a plus 150 for Greeksbore. He's down to plus 135 on Bet Online. Rude is around minus 180 on Bovada and minus 165 on Bet Online. And the spread is two and a half, though, on each site. The pricing's a little bit different. Totals 22 and a half. And 23 and a half. So, really do your line shopping because that's a full game difference between those two sites. Now, at plus 150, I am still very much more into the Greek Spore side. When we talked about this last week, it was around plus 165, which I was very into because I think he should be around plus 130, plus 125. So, if you still pick up a plus 150, I'm very much into the Greek for money line as, uh, I think he's a bit underrated coming into this match versus Casper rude. Who's not been very consistent on hardcore and Greek Sport Certainly. I mean, in a vacuum, who was better on hardcore last year or just quicker conditions? It was mm-hmm. telling Greek sport.
1: I was just going to say, I mean, despite the fact that that year that he set that challenger record for challenger tournaments, one in a season, a lot of it was on clay, I mean, since he's come to the tour level, it's it's been quicker surfaces, right? I mean, Pune, he won his. I think that was his first ever title, too. Third round of the Australian Open, only lost to Stefanos pass. I'd bet him again. He won't be seven dollars and sixty five cents this time around, or plus six sixty five. I'd bet him again at that price in that position, uh, as well. That was um, an interesting number. Won a title in Den Bosch, and I think he won a third. No, he didn't win a third, but he went to a final in Washington. What's the slowest? What is the slowest event there? Washington. I believe Pune has a bit of altitude too. Like when Washington, you make you know three ATP tour finals and the slowest one of them is, is DC. I don't think people can question your bona fides on um on quick courts. I just don't you, you can't. He proved it not once, not twice, but three times. So yeah, I mean we we know conditions wise this favors Greek spore, but I would caution people to go too hard on this. I you know, like the GBM guys, as you mentioned, love. Love the show. Listen to it, by the way, both the, their first preseason show and the one you were on. And hopefully I'm going to join them in, in the next week or two to, to break down some draws and whatnot. But they got, I, I saw on Twitter, a mention of minus 110 each way here. I think that's a little extreme. I would agree the values on Greek Spore, I just disagree on the the fair price here. So for me, there's a plus 153 at Pinnacle. And the reason why there's so much difference in market here is Pinnacle went from plus 158 down to like plus 138. And then that's when Bet Online and Bookmaker tend to follow Pinnacle's lead, move their prices down. And now he's been popped back to plus 153. And this is all, by the way, with max limits over five grand Canadian. So this isn't with low liquidity, just, you know, 500 bucks is moving prices. This is like, there's some big hitters coming in, or at least big spenders, or maybe just regular guys marked as sharp accounts. Either way, there's some movement going here uh, with, with enough money in market, with liquidity in the market. So an interesting bit there. I'm with you. I do think there is value on Greek Spore. It's just one unit for me, and I would play it down uh, to plus one at 30. So still, again, slightly on the wrong side of 40%. Um, I think he is above 40% to win this match. I'm not sold on him being like a favorite or a pick here. Rude may not like the conditions, but his first serve is still undervalued, I think, by a lot of people off of clay courts. I still think he's very good from the baseline. He's solid, far more solid than Greek Spore, fewer errors, but I mean, Greeks has has got the more natural kind of flat hitting power and the backhand wing could be a concern. Rude, oftentimes we know that's his weakness on clay. It's not the heaviest shot. He likes to loop it over the net uh, a lot of the times and, and it sometimes lands a bit short on a clay court. That's OK, because someone trying to punish that the dirt's going to eat up a bunch of that power and you can still get to more balls and make defensive, you know, stay in points longer uh, defensively. Hard courts, not so much. I mean, they're going to pound that th- those short backhands through the open court, you're not going to have time to get there. So there are some major concerns here for Rude that lead me to believe that, you know, being a 60 plus percent favorite against someone like Greek is incorrect. So like I said, one unit here, plus 153 at Pinnacle. uh, And the price is good to bet down to plus 130. If you get to like plus 135, it's obviously a half unit, right? It's not a full unit all the way down to that number. That's where I'd stop playing it at period. Uh, But anything above plus 130 is is worth um, a staking here. And at the current prices, I've got one unit on it.
0: I mean, let's not forget where Talon Griegsport is with his game here. He was, uh, I mean, a few points away in a second-set tiebreak from knocking out Novak Djokovic in Paris. Mm-hmm. He was balling. I don't think the numbers quite reflect his game. And, and Greek Sport, I think, is just generally disrespected on the market. People just don't want to crown him as the 23rd best player in the world, which he's currently ranked. All right, John, let's keep it moving. Next up, Yuri Laheshka. It's minus 145 on the money line. Zhang Jian plus 120. Two-game spread. 23 is the total here. Let's see how is there a big difference in this one on but on? I was that was on Bovada. And it's about even here. Minus 150 on the Laheshka side. Still plus 120 for Zhang. And 23 and a half is a total. This one is a pure stay away for me because I don't like the pricing on either side. Although I would lean Laheshka to just I think Lashka's like proven more on this tour so far. Both guys obviously uh newer on the scene as uh kind of mainstays on the tour, but I can't count out my man Zhang Jian. I just wish I like him as a bigger dog. At plus one twenty yeah. I just I can't commit. What do you think, John?
1: Yeah, agreed. I think there were some plus one thirty fives pre pinnacle release, still not long enough for me. I'm um, on the other side in terms of prediction wise, I'd say pass on the price lean, if anything, a little bit towards Jung. but I'm with you. I think I'd want more here. He's a little too volatile. Lahetchka can still hit the ball very cleanly in his own right. Uh, it's just a little more consistent, though. He's not the, the pinnacle of consistency either. So, I'm, yeah, I'm in the boat here that is a deserved small favorite. Want nothing to do with this. I like a lot of numbers and a lot of other matches. So when I can find something that I'm like completely in agreement with the market on, um, I'm I'm good to leave it be. I think the price point is right. It also has the added benefit of not having to sweat Zhang and and hoping, you know, he brings his, I'm going to hit 50 clean winners that just make the crowd go wild and, and, you know, avoids the, I'm going to smack the ball around and commit 50 unforced errors. Right. Yeah. You don't have to have that sweat. You don't have to wonder which which version of them you're getting. So it's a it's a nice easy pass for me.
0: Yeah, this is a match because Zhang's not like the best returner. I mean, he can return and and he I think he su- surprises a lot a lot of opponents uh, with his uh, ability to return. But this is a match because I, I can see Laheshka like having one of those high first serve percentage points one uh, and and second serve percentage one. I think this could be a good. A match where, because that's the thing with Laheshka. I think what has improved in his game is his service game. He can kind of dominate a little bit under the radar, uh winning a lot of points on, on serve. So I could see that carrying him through uh, in this match. John Alex Zverev, who we spoke a little bit about in our last episode, in terms of his ability to get back into that top five, he is minus 325 on the money line, taking on Lorenzo Sunego of Italy, plus 260 as the dog, spread is three and a half. 22 and a half total. That's on Bovada. Yeah, it's about the same on Bet Online, actually. So this one, don't got to shop as hard. Looks like market has set this into place a bit. Another one that I'm kind of passing on, because uh, I don't trust Sinego on a quick court. And I could also see him play up and take a set off zero here.
1: Yeah, I'm worried about a potential tie break with a really strong uh, service set from Senego and that's my primary concern, plus this Zverev, random, you know, tank, not tanking of a set, but just complete disappearance form-wise within a match for a set that we saw in 2023. I think this should be a four-game spread and it's, you know, in the $1.96, $1.97, so minus 105-ish range. So minus 110 for three and a half, that's a, it seems like a really cheap price. It is one I'm going to pass on, though. I don't trust Zverev yet. He is definitively a break per set better than Lorenzo Sonego on a quick hard court. There's no doubt to me that He's he should he should be able to hold serve a little bit easier. He's the infinitely better returner on a quick court, and he's got the bigger serve of the two in my mind as well. So everything points here to to Zvera, about a three and a half number, but I ain't pulling the trigger on this one. If if this were to get to like even a juiced three, right now let me go check what the three is at. Um, the three is yeah, it's like minus one forty. That's that's a hugely expensive num- like half game to buy, but there is the the one thing in Zvere's favor other than the fact that he's a much better returner and has the bigger serve he's also the player for those I guess for those exact reasons really um, in this particular matchup that is more likely to put up a lopsided set right and so like even if you go three sets at like a 6-7-6-4 I don't think you're you're completely out of it uh, to win a 6-3 or better in the third but that's very very kind of you know, tunnel visioning, tun- tunnel visioning yourself into like trying to talk yourself into a certain outcome happening uh, instead of just looking at the overall picture and understanding that this is probably priced relatively close to correct. So I'll go ahead and pass on this one.
0: Felix Ajalisim, the <laughs> minus one forty-five on the money line for FAA Nico Jari, who had a sublime twenty twenty-three. One of the uh, big surprises of last year. He's plus 120 on the money line. The spread is one and a half. Totals at 23, minus 115 each way, and 23 and a half on bet online. And I say that because I think over 23 at minus 115 is a phenomenal bet in this matchup. I see a lot of serving, a lot of bad returning, a lot of holds coming this way. Now, I could get sunk by one break each way, but on paper, I think this should be ticked up to 23.5, if not 24, so if you can still find a 23 out there, I think that's a valuable number to play the over on in this matchup. The first set over, 9.5 is at minus 175, so it's a little bit juiced up. It might just stick with the over 23 here, because I think this could get there just through holds and two sets. I think each player could take a set. I just think you have multiple outs here on that 23. John, what do you think about this matchup?
1: I absolutely don't mind that handicap that play at all. I really was hoping for a 22 and a half, but ultimately for me, it's, it's the first set tie break and the, the, the money line on the Chilean um, that I'm going to be with. Look, is Felix a deserved favorite. Sure. Maybe like a minus one thirty favorite, minus one twenty five would be more apt. Is he the better hard quarter? No doubt, but it's not like he's really shown great return skills. Is he the better returner as well? Probably. Is he an elite returner? No. Is he playing an elite serve? Yes. So it, it, that that return kind of advantage he has on on Jari it, in the grand scheme of things is not all that important right? So he might be a bit better of a returner, but in a match of two servers where neither guy's really all, all that good on return, does it matter if you're five percentage points better? Probably not. You're probably going to be playing at least a, one tie break throughout the match. Uh, plus 225 for me on the tie break. It's a full unit play at uh, bet 365, good down to plus 190. And then the money line is plus 135 at pinnacle right now. One unit, good down to plus 112. So both of those one unit plays, both basically backing Jari here. I I don't think I don't know who's going to win. I think it's a pretty damn close match. I think it's close to a coin flip with Felix being a the the, the ever so slightly better returner and being a, a bit more natural of a hard quarter. So to me, yes, he's a he's a small favorite, but again, Jari here or Harry, however you want to say it. Maybe plus 112 as an underdog makes more sense, right? Slightly under 50%. I don't think he's all the way down nearing, you know, he's not quite at 40%. He's still well above 40%, but the gulf between these two percentages wise is a little too big for me at this point. And uh, because of the conditions, the serves on offer and the lack of return games, I'm also going to go ahead and back that uh, tie break at anything cheaper than like a 33% or I guess it would be like thirty-four percent mark is where I have it. So uh the tie break and the money line, one unit each, uh plus one plus one thirty-five on the money line at Pinnacle, plus two twenty-five on the first set over twelve and a half at, at three six five.
0: You mentioned that twenty two and a half, John. You can get down to it for only fifteen cents, actually. It's only minus one thirty compared to the minus one fifteen. So not sure it's really worth it, but it's actually a pretty inexpensive half game, all things considered, especially on yeah. Bovada, one of the few places you can actually do that sort of thing because a lot of times the jump is from like minus 115 to minus 145 uh, for stuff like that. So, uh, And you know to- what?
1: It's it's not the same here as it would be 15 cents for like, you know, Roberto Carbaez, Baina and Felipe Milaghani, Alvesh. Okay, that makes sense. But with two really big serves, that should be a more expensive half game to buy than you would normally see than you would normally see I don't think that's more expensive I don't think there's a big premium on that as you would expect for two big servers so might be worth it to buy to the 22 and a half
0: yeah if you're if your comfort levels look I mean certainly a tie break 6-4 you get there versus a push might be worth the 15 seconds okay John actually you know I have you mentioned that Hubie-Vilch match I have a line for that
1: yes so do I
0: that's oh, what okay. I wanted to yeah. Okay. Yeah. QB is minus 850 on my line. <laughs> Sometimes the shit is so laughable. Not that he shouldn't be a big favorite, but like this is like 850. <laughs> like how they spit it out. Um four and a half game spread uh, expensive. So this is like a five game spread, actually. 21 game total here. Vioch is plus five fifty on the money line and uh yeah john i mean certainly at least one set tiebreak coming in hot at 5 almost 6 to 1 certainly got to think a little sprinkle on that money line is worth it
1: yeah this is one i mean unless hubert Herkach became you know this great return overnight it, it's hard for me to to see anything above four games on a quick surface with a guy who has again shown that serve has started to to become a tool that can help him keep things closer on hard courts. Now, Hubie didn't win by margin much in Australia last year at all. That said, he played much better players than, say, Buschville on a hard court. So it's hard to, like, you know, this is why I don't get trendy, because a trend here would tell you that Herkacz has a covered minus four and a half in a bunch of the matches he played in Australia last year. But again, a lot of those were against really good players. So um, it's not about the trend so much as why the trend exists, and Hubert's, or Hubie's kind of game style just doesn't lend him to winning by margin, um, you know, by four and a half or f- by five plus games in a in a best of three match. He does, I believe, choose to serve first, which can be problematic if he finds a break in the first set. Now you're six three and you're you're sweating out six say Boschwilch Holts holds in the second, but still the plus four and a half at even money at bet three, six five. I have it good down to minus one twelve um for a, a unit here. It's available at plus one hundred one with Pinnacle, which, you know, if you're a serious better and you're you're you've been limited or are close to being limited at bet three six five, you probably want to take with Pinnacle. That said, if you aren't and your account is kind of safe right now, uh, from being limited, then bet three six five is the better option because it's one cent, and once that outcome is decided, they will grade the bet. Whereas Pinnacle, if you get a freak retirement and say bunch of fields there in the third set, he's already guaranteed to cover one of them retires it's a void at pinnacle so know the book that you're at and understand that even though pinnacle has the best price by a cent there is a little bit of upside to betting with bet 365 but if you are again if you're more serious better you've been limited and you want to you know maintain accounts obviously you go with pinnacle here but uh just a little bit of of uh context and and kind of situational betting for you, if you will. But I do think Sabotfield plus four and a half is a look. And I'm actually going to look into the uh, set over as well that you spoke about because that could be a sneaky first set tiebreak.
0: Oh, yeah. Plus one and a half sets. I don't see that offered here quite yet uh, on Bovada, but to win a set.
1: Plus 183 at uh, Pinnacle.
0: Pretty good play. Pretty, pretty good play. All right, John. Speaking of to win a set. And the second round match of Zhang Jian. He's taking on Novak Djokovic. He is plus 700 on the money line. Djokovic is minus 1200 on the money line. Spread is five and a half here. Totals at 19 and a half here. Now, obviously, what, Novak, is sa-
1: what did you say Zhang was on the money line? Sorry, say that again.
0: Plus 700. Okay,
1: you, you can get plus 1050 at uh, Pinnacle.
0: There you go. That's quite a bit difference. <laughs> Uh, but to win a set is plus 225. Man, I think that's a pretty good play. This is a, th- We talked about this in the offseason when, when we talked about Zhang Jian. Like, he's a guy that can redline for a set and win. And uh, over 2-1 to one for him just to win a set versus Novak, who is obviously the world's greatest player. But, I don't know, maybe he's just like out there freewheeling a bit. <laughs> i mean i don't know you don't like he could also one and one him you know what i mean but i just think that the the price is is pretty good here especially if if jean can get to a a tie break
1: that's exactly it it's so cheap that i mean his red line ability is good enough to take a set off anyone in the world and so you know like you said he could be one and one i don't love the games as, as a result because you're you're getting a bunch of games but he can lose by margin. And that is like a, an even money kind of proposition. You give me this really cheap price. I'm a little more intrigued on the sets. Uh, absolutely. Obviously Novak coming from Riyadh. I don't think that's a big deal. He's in super good shape, loves the Australian conditions. And that was played what on a Wednesday and that this match isn't till Sunday there. So obviously yeah, that's not a huge concern, but man, Zhang Zizhen is tempting there. Yeah. Really tempting. Um, even the plus one thousand fifty, it's like I'm looking at that for for the tiniest amounts just just to have a sweat if you can take a set. But um, yeah, I, I think it's getting a little out of hand here. I don't think you know, Djokovic is like a dollar four, dollar three, dollar four against absolute scrubs in the first rounds of slams like Pedro Kachin and you know, Roberto Carballo's Baena. I think Zhang is sig- like significantly better than them to the point that like you know if if Novak was minus a thousand or minus where you said minus seven hundred minus eight or yeah minus a thousand minus eight hundred minus seven fifty I wouldn't I get it he's Novak Djokovic but where he is now I think he's close to minus two thousand I'm not sure what this is in American odds at a dollar six one point oh six but that seems like it it's a bit much I mean he does lose matches he's not invincible and this is. Pretty close to, to calling him invincible.
0: I mean, let's not forget. I mentioned that Greek Sport Djokovic match in Paris. I mean, Djokovic essentially tossed away that first set, gave up, gave the set to Greek Sport. Uh, I mean, who's to, who's to say that Djokovic knows he can win and just doesn't toss a set randomly? You know, we, we literally have yeah. just seen it. So, and over two to one. I don't really love the, I mean, Plus 400 first set money line. I'd rather have the two shots at it than than the, just the one.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a plus one seventy-five at uh at Pinnacle 2 for for the plus one sets. So uh plus two seventy-five, pardon me. Um which is pretty cheap as well.
0: Yeah, that's pretty great. All right, John. Do you want to hit the Fritz Nori matchup? Yeah, just quickly
1: because I get that Fritz may have had a lot of his success on slower hards. But he's a better player than Alex Demonor. He's got more weapons than Alex Demonor. And yet, look at the prices for Nori. Nori is more likely, per the market, to beat Fritz than he is to beat Demonor. I don't have a play here because, you know, I I think that Fritz is... I mean, if anything, I'd probably go with the minus three with Fritz. Just because Nori doesn't have the serve to keep this that close. And the minus three is plus money. That's That could be a singular break in terms of margin of victory. So... I found value on Nori against Demonor at plus 180, tipped at plus 175. I'm not sure how he's now, you know, plus 163 against Fritz. I don't think Fritz is worse than Demonor on Australian hardcourts. And that's what the market is implying here. That in against the same opponent in Cam Nori, he is more likely, Cam Nori is more likely to beat Fritz than, than Demonor. I, I, maybe it's because Nori will be playing his second match and Fritz will still be playing his first, I think. Perhaps that's it. Well, that's baked into it, but I can't agree with this. I I think Fritz is significantly better than Alex Demonor. So uh, if anything here, I'd go with the minus three uh, to Taylor.
0: Fritz leads Nori 7-6. These guys have played 13 times.
1: Fritz against Nori and Demonor combined. This includes the next-gen ATP finals um, in 2018, by the way. So, you know, grain of salt or whatever. But I guess that means combined he's 10 and 12 against them or 10 and 11 against them. So it's not like America has like a clear cut advantage here. If you care about head to head and he's got eight matches against demon and 13 against Nori. So I think that's actually a pretty decent sample size where I say it's, I don't really pay attention to head to head, but every so often it comes into effect and it's relevant. I think it might be relevant here for Fritz to only be 10 and 11 against demon and Nori. The, the The Americans are this huge favorite to win the United cup. And yet they've got the toughest group there is and they're, top 10 singles player has a really tough time against both his, the opponents he'll be playing within the group stage. That's really interesting to me.
0: Absolutely. And I think that is a good place to wrap up this episode, John. Well done awesome. as always. Follow John at J tennis at Tibbet's tennis. Follow us at MP nine tennis. Do a like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a rating, a review even. Until next time, see you on the court.